Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is M, and I want to talk about books and cats. So this episode is coming out on the last day of 2020, the weirdest and most trying year ever, at least in my lifetime. Um, I know that this has been an incredibly difficult year for me, and I also know that I've had it really good. Um, I haven't lost anyone, and I do feel like I have, uh, I have made some good changes and good habits over the last year. So I'm just ready to be done with this year and start new. Um, I know that technically it's just another day, but I've always liked the idea of like the new year and just getting to start fresh, um, setting goals for the year, thinking about what you want to achieve. Like, I think that's all great. And I also think it's important to look back on the past year and think about what you are grateful for. And one of the things I'm most grateful for this year was starting this podcast. Um, it's been kicking around in my head for a while, and I was always really scared to try it, even though I have another podcast with my husband. Um, and I'm so glad that I started it, because it's so much fun. And it's also making me read more, which was another one of my goals. Actually, I think that was one of my uh, resolutions for the beginning of 2020, was to read more books. I think I said a number. I did not hit that number. Um, or come even close, but I have read more books, so that's a start. And I'm so grateful to all of you for listening. Um, it makes me happy that there are other people out there that just want to listen to talk about books and cats. <laughs> I'm also grateful that I finished Feelers and that it is out. Um, I really love putting out a new book and that whole like self publishing experience. And it's also nice to just have it be out and in the world. And now people can read it if they want, and I don't have to edit it anymore, and I can move on to other projects, which I will talk about a little later. So today I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about indie authors. I definitely know what it is to be one. I know the work and the hope and the fear uh, and the meticulous attention to detail and the merciless editing that goes into self-publishing your books. And then having usually to promote yourself too, which I have to say is the hardest part for me. I love writing. I love everything about the written word. Obviously, I'm doing a podcast about books. But self-promotion is so difficult because I'm an introvert. Um, I don't want to talk about myself. I'm much more interested in hearing about other people. But at the same time, I want people to read my work. And I want people to listen to my podcast. So it's hard. It's definitely something that I am constantly working at. And one of my ongoing goals in life uh, is to be better about promoting my own stuff. Um, I've been at the... I've been really working at being an author for about 15 years. Pretty much 
right when I had my daughter is when I started really going like, no, I'm going to try this. I'm going to be a writer. Um, but if I'm being honest, it's been a, a lifetime. I think it starts from the the bedtime stories I was read as a child, which were not always your typical bedtime stories and sometimes involved poetry. And I think that had a big influence on my love of books. And then, you know, I had early writing attempts that were kind of thwarted by my uh, complete self-consciousness. And uh, I've also just always had stories in my head and always been trying to get them out into the world. So... I have always been trying to be a writer. And so I really try, when I am reading books, I make it a point to try to find indie authors that I enjoy. The thing about self-publishing is that it is super easy and anybody can do it. So you don't necessarily have to edit your work um, if you don't want to. So while it's so awesome that the people that have the passion and want to put all the work into it can put their books out without... um you know, having to go through the process of finding an agent and a publisher and all that. Uh, it also means that when you're choosing indie books, you're going to run into some that are duds and every once in a while, one that is completely unreadable, unfortunately. Um, so you just have to kind of expect that and pick and choose. Uh, if you're going to choose random indie books, you just got to know that every once in a while you're going to get one that's not good. But I've also read some that are just fantastic. As good, if not sometimes better, than uh, traditionally published books. So it, you just got to kind of look at it as a bit of a gamble. This has definitely led me to change uh, my approach to how I read. I used to be the type of person that if I started a book, I had to finish it. Because otherwise you couldn't say that you had read that book. Um, and now... With self-publishing being so prevalent and there's so many more books out there, I've kind of changed my tune to where if a book doesn't grab me, if I put it down and then pick it up like three or four times, I am probably not going to finish it because there are so many things out there to read and I am never in my lifetime going to read them all. So I'm not going to waste time and energy on something that doesn't, um, doesn't speak to me. And I'll try. I definitely give them a chance. I don't go like, oh, I hate this immediately. I will, you know, I try to read at least like five chapters. Um, like I said, if I have to put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up like numerous times. Um, and it's because the book isn't grabbing me. It's not other things. Then I will put it down then. But I really try to give books a chance. But I'm also not going to force it anymore. There's just too many other things out there for me to read. So the other reason I have a a place in my heart for indie authors is that my first audiobook narration jobs have all been for indie books. And that's what I want to talk about today. My first audiobook narration job was for the first book of a trilogy by Paul Newhouse. It's the Quinn Hennigan Chronicles. The first book is called Company Town, but we're going to actually talk about all three of the books in the trilogy today. I got this gig because I was on uh, the job listings and there didn't seem to be an audition script on his audition. And it seemed like the type of book that I would enjoy. It's kind of a sci-fi fantasy magic. It just seemed like right up my alley. So I really wanted to audition for it. 
and I didn't see a script. So I messaged him and we ended up uh, chatting back and forth through email and he gave me the job. Um, And he told me right at the start that he wanted the same narrator for all three books. So first audition, I land a trilogy and I'm psyched. I haven't had a lot of luck since with audiobooks. I haven't put a lot of effort into auditioning because I've been working on the podcast and my writing. I did have one other trilogy, but I did one book and then, honestly, um, construction outside of my house where I record on top of some really bad depression made it so that I had to break that contract. Um, definitely not my proudest moment, but, you know, things happen. And I honestly haven't um, auditioned since then. I'll get back to it at some point, but right now I'm more focused on recording my own stuff. So anyway, let's talk about the trilogy. So first, I want to introduce you to Quinn Hennigan, who is the hero of the trilogy. She's a feisty redhead with magical powers um, that she kind of discovers in the first book. And she reminded me instantly of my daughter. My daughter is naturally a redhead. She's dyed it black right now. But she's still got that spirit. There's something about redheads. They are feisty. Um, the first book also has a lot of, like, old Hollywood stories in it, which I really enjoy. It's really excellent. So let me read you the blurb from the author, Paul Newhouse. Women aren't supposed to use magic. Quinn Hennigan wishes she didn't have to break that rule. Now she's in a world-threatening battle where her life and soul hang in the balance. Hennigan is a mousy assistant in a big Hollywood agency. She wants nothing more than to keep to herself and live a quiet life. Unfortunately, she has a latent gift for magic, and bosses eager to exploit her for it. Can she master her powers and become the most powerful mage in human history? Can she do it before the demon who rules Los Angeles finds her and kills her? Company Town is the first book in the exciting urban fantasy series, The Quinn Hennigan Chronicles. If you like magic, monsters, and mayhem you'll love Paul Newhouse's bold new saga. It's in the tradition of the Dresden Files and Doctor Strange, but Quinn shows that girls can wield magic just as well as the boys. So that blurb pretty much covers it, but it doesn't cover the awesome characters that are in this book. You meet all of the characters uh, that are going to continue through the next two books in the first book. Um, and the relationships are being developed during the first book amidst the chaos and the magic. It's just a really great read all the way through. I I really love that there are two strong female leads in this story. There's Quinn and then there's Molly, um, who ends up being her girlfriend. Spoilers. Uh, they have very different strengths, but they balance each other out, which is something that Quinn desperately needs. Um, and their relationship is honestly just as riveting as the scenes of Incredible Magic. It's really well written. And I have to say that I don't always feel like men write women well, but I feel like Paul Newhouse did a really excellent job with it. Um, I love these characters. I was really, really sad when I was done recording the third book because I had spent so much time um, in their world and I didn't want to say goodbye. It was even worse than when I read books because, you know, I had to read them aloud and kind of become the characters, and I read things more than once, and I, then I'd listen to it during editing. So I know these books better than I know most books at this point. Um, and it was hard to say goodbye. So 
that's company town. I don't want to give away too much um, because there's just lots of lots of interesting uh, scenes and action in the story. But it's fantastic. And then we move on to the Eon of Horus, which is book two. Most of the characters are the same, but there's a different threat. And uh, once again, Quinn has to come save the day. So here is the blurb for Eon of Horus. The world's most powerful mage wants a new challenge. She should be careful what she wishes for. Sorceress Quinn Hennigan is again embroiled in a situation not of her own making. Thieves, witch hunters, and rival wizards all want an ancient statue, an ancient statue Hennigan just happens to possess. Can she hold on to this mysterious artifact? Will she discover its true power before the magic barrier protecting the earth comes down? Eon of Horus is book two in the Quinn Hennigan Chronicles, Paul Newhouse's exciting urban fantasy saga. It broadens the story told in Company Town with new characters and new depth but with more of the same magic, monsters, and mayhem. So I really loved this book because this was when Quinn came into her powers and was just fully in them. Um, there wasn't any like doubt or hesitation because she's not quite sure if she's good enough. Like She knows she's good enough. She honestly thinks a little too highly of herself and gets herself in trouble, which I kind of love too. And she hasn't like learned enough to wear where she's using her magic cautiously. So this is like kind of a more, it's Quinn Hennigan with her magic powers and unrestrained, basically. And it makes for a really exciting book. Um, fantastic. Loved this one. And so then we finish up the trilogy with the Messiah of Burbank. So this Quinn is a different Quinn. And I think if you know about... The idea of the triple goddess where there is the maiden, the mother, and the crone. I think we are now in the crone phase. I think maiden was company town when Quinn was kind of learning about her powers. And then we had the mother where she's fully in her powers and she is like in charge. And now she has been um, taken down a couple of pegs and she's calmer and she's wiser and she's more measured in her approach. But at the same time, even though she is more careful, she is also her most powerful. So this one, we really see a different Quinn. She's more hesitant, but she's also very confident in her abilities. And it just shows her growth as a woman as well as a sorceress. And her relationship with Molly has gone to another level. Um... That's another thing is that through these three books, you really get to watch their relationship begin, deepen, hit some rocky patches, and then kind of come around to this like harmonious place because those two need to be together to balance each other out. They're necessary for each other. Um, it's a really beautiful but realistic love story. Realistic even though there's magic involved, so that says something. Anyway, here is the blurb for The Messiah of Burbank. Women are magic's deadliest practitioners, a fact Quinn Hennigan is about to discover firsthand. Quinn has a family now. She also has a new enemy, one far deadlier than any she's faced before. Can the most powerful sorceress in the world defeat an ancient goddess hell-bent on destroying every magic user everywhere? Can she protect the ones she loves from ruin and death? Read the senses-shattering conclusion to the Quinn Hennigan Chronicles to find out. 
Messiah of Burbank is book three in Paul Newhouse's exciting urban fantasy series. It takes the loose threads from Company Town and Eon of Horus and weaves them together in a satisfying finale. Quinn gets closure, but not without encountering the expected magic, monsters, and mayhem along the way. As I said before, I really did not want to leave this magical world. I I truly love these books, and I'm so grateful that I got to dive in and become these characters for a while, and I'm I'm so unbelievably grateful that I got to record these books. Uh, It happened during a pretty dark time in my life, and it was basically the only thing I did that was creative, um, and the only thing I did that I felt like I was doing well and that gave me pleasure. They really meant a lot to me. Um, I have a special place in my heart for these books, for sure. Plus, you get some really badass female characters, which we're seeing more of now, um, but I just want more and more of it. I love it. Um, I'm hoping... I tried for something similar with Feelers. Feelers is very heavy on strong female characters, and I hope I've achieved even close to what Paul Newhouse achieved in his books. So I'm going to put links in the show notes for all of his books, as well as to Feelers, if you feel like reading it. Um, And I would highly, highly recommend that you read the Quinn Hennigan Chronicles, uh, all three books. They are fantastic. And at this point, we're going to take a quick break, and then I will be back to talk about some cats. Hey, book lovers, M here. I want to talk to you about Prismatext. During quarantine, I started learning German using an app, and I've kept it going for several months now. I'm really enjoying it, but I'm kind of ready to mix it up a little bit. And Prismatext had exactly what I was looking for. Prismatext books are a brand new way of studying a foreign language. Rather than using flashcards or apps, the learner can simply pick up an ebook and start reading. Currently, Prismatext books are available in English as a first language and they target languages including Spanish, French, Italian, German, and Portuguese. I got Little Women, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and Wuthering Heights, three of my favorites with German words mixed right in. Follow the link in the show notes to help support the podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And use code BOOKSANDCATS for 30% off your order. That's all caps. Books, the letter N, CATS. Start learning today while enjoying your favorite classics with Prismatext. And we're back. So now I want to talk about an article from 2017 that is called The Healing Power of Your Cat's Purr. I don't know if anybody else has heard anything about this, but there are a lot of stories about cat owners who are sick or in pain that then feel better or sometimes are even healed by their cat's purr. And I thought at first that that sounded kind of like crazy And I've had my own personal experiences with this, but I was kind of like, I don't know, like, maybe not. Um, But research into this mystery has actually backed up these stories. Um, So how does this work? Research has shown that the frequency of the cat's purr actually works in a similar way to high-impact exercise. A cat's purr, the frequency is exactly 26 hertz. This frequency corresponds with the frequency that scientists use in vibrational therapies, which promote tissue regeneration. Um, Vibrational therapy is when the body is exposed to high-intensity pressure and strength training exercises 
and the bones and muscles become stronger, uh, reinforcing themselves and adding muscle. So vibrational therapy creates the same healing and reinforcement using low-frequency vibrations instead of high-impact activity. Um, so in theory, because the cat's purr is the same frequency, it could potentially help in healing. But it's not just about healing bones. The healing power of cats can work in a number of magical ways. It can lower stress. Petting a purring cat will always calm you down. Um, a cat's purr can decrease the symptoms of dysphonia. I have no idea how to say it, but it's a difficulty in breathing. Um, in both cats and humans. You can lower your blood pressure by interacting with a cat and hearing the purr. You can also reduce the risk of heart disease. Uh, cat owners have a 40% less risk of having a heart attack, which is good to know. Purr vibrations also help to heal infections, swelling, bone healing and growth, pain relief, muscle growth and repair, tendon repair, and joint mobility. Um, the common belief is that cats purr to show their happiness, but they also purr when frightened, severely injured, giving birth, or even while dying. It is suggested that purring may be stimulated as much as possible when cats are ill or under duress. If purring is a healing mechanism, that would help them recover faster and perhaps even save their life. So, as I said, I've had my own experience with this uh, that I found a little strange, and this is when I first uh, started seeing things about that a cat's purr could actually heal you. Um, I had a surgery on my throat. Um, I had to have one of my parathyroids removed. And so I had a scar. And when I came back from the hospital and was recovering, one of my cats, who's not usually very affectionate, she's not one to really want to sit with people. Um, it's always on her terms. And she's not, you know, she doesn't usually like me the best either. Like, I'm not her favorite. But she would come and she would lay on me and she kept trying to lay over my throat, um, or as close as she could get to it. And then she would purr and purr and purr. And she's also not like usually a very loud purrer. And she was so loud. And this is when I was like, is she trying to help me somehow? Um, it was just weird. And then my other experience was with my cat, Edweird. Um, after my dad died, I had some really, really, really bad depression. And he would come and just lay on me and purr because um, I was having a hard time getting out of bed at one point and he would come in and he would jump up on me and he would try to lay like kind of over my heart and then he would just purr and purr and purr. That could just be him though because he's very very emotional and very in tune with us anyway. He's just he's kind of an empath I guess um, if cats can be empaths. Either way um I definitely feel like he was trying to heal me as best he could. Anyway, <laughs> so now it's time for the quote of the week. And this one I just found, um, sometimes I just look up like quotes about books or quotes about cats. And I found this one that is from Albert Schweitzer, who was a doctor, a missionary, a philosopher, and a musician. Um, and he also won a Nobel Prize for his humanitarian work. And he said... There are two means of refuge from the misery of life, music and cats. And honestly, I could not agree more. When I am sad, those are pretty much the two things I want. And my dog. I know this is books and cats, but I have a dog too, and I love him 
just as much as my cats. Uh, they're all my fur babies. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much all I want when I'm sad is good moving music and one of my fur babies. <laughs> Um, so speaking of music, right now I am really vibing to a couple of singers. Um, Chica, the song You Should, is amazing. And then No Name. Like, pretty much anything by No Name, but I've really been digging the song Self and then the song Shadow Man. Um, so check those out, because they're just really nice, like, chill songs, and they just really, they move my soul. Um, and I am obsessed with their voices. So that's how I'm escaping reality right now. Chica and No Name. Also, don't forget that I have some super awesome Books and Cats merch, uh, sweatshirts, stickers, notebooks, coffee mugs. Show your love for the podcast. Uh, get some of my weird art. Uh, I kind of love it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you again for listening. Um, Here's to 2020 being over and moving on in 2021. So the one other thing that I wanted to talk about before I finish this episode is something new that I'm going to try. I'm going to call it weekly writing. And um, every week at the end of the episode, if you hang on after the music is done, I am going to read a chapter that I have written during the week. Um, I just started a new story book. I'm not sure. Uh, it's tentatively called Heart of the Storm, um, which sounds like a romance novel, but I swear it's not. <laughs> or maybe it will be. Who knows? Um, this is just an experiment. It's mainly to keep me writing um, every week and being more consistent. I have found in other aspects of my life that when I finally started being consistent with things, I saw a lot more results and it's definitely something I struggle with. So now I'm trying to be consistent with my writing, um, which definitely usually comes in like chunks. It'll come in like big sessions of sitting there for hours and writing and then like weeks of not having anything. So I'm hoping that if I can just go a chapter at a time and I have this deadline of getting it done for the episode, that maybe that'll help me. Anyway, um, it's definitely not going to be perfect. I'm barely going to edit the chapters. Uh, so, you know, take it for what it is. But I'm excited to see what comes of it. And I hope you guys enjoy. And if it bombs, it bombs. You know, I'm just trying something new. So I am actually going to start that this episode. I know we're not technically in 2021 yet, but we might as well start now. Um, so if you're interested, after the music stick around for the first chapter of Heart of the Storm. And until next time, keep reading. Heart of the Storm, Chapter 1 Don't tell the dark-hearted your secrets. They will betray you. The warning echoed in Harper's mind. Mina's words. A dark-hearted one, but Harper hadn't known at the time. She punched the worn, heavy bag hanging in front of her. The jarring sensation when her fist made contact distracted her for a moment. 
Then Mina's words would return again. She spun around and her heel hooked the bag. She landed awkwardly and allowed herself to roll onto the matted, sweat-speckled floor. Her damp, clammy skin collected debris from the floor, and her chest heaved as she panted for breath. It had been a long, grueling workout, an hour and a half of blissful quiet. A pair of tan, dirty feet appeared beside her. Harper rolled onto one side and sat up. Kevo stood with his hands on his hips. His lanky frame was covered with ropey muscles and faded blue tattoos. His dark hair hung down to his shoulders and gleamed in the flickering overhead lights. He held out his hand and helped Harper to her feet. She popped up and brushed the grime from her gi. Kevo grinned. His smile greatly improved his face. Feeling better? Harper shook her head. Maybe for a moment. She pulled the hairband from her ponytail, spilling her dark brown hair down past her shoulders in messy waves. She tugged her fingers through the tangled, sweaty mess and grimaced when they got stuck in a particularly bad knot. Kevo pulled a black t-shirt over his head. It can't be that bad. Harper shook her head and yanked her hair back into a knot. It is, she replied after a moment. It's really bad. She shouldered her bag and started for the door. Kevo stepped in to block her path. He put a hand on her shoulder. It was meant to be comforting, but Harper pulled back violently. Kevo stared at her and slowly dropped his hand. Tell me what we're up against, he said quietly. The gym had gone strangely silent. Harper looked around quickly and realized the gym was now empty. She was alone with Kevo, and her skin prickled with warning. What I'm up against, she corrected, but he shook his head. I'm in this mess too, he sighed. An anger surged through Harper in a flash of red. You forced your way in, she said through gritted teeth. You can walk away at any time. So can you. He grabbed her arm. His strong fingers dug into her flesh. Harper had watched him break bricks with those hands, and his fingers created five points of pain on her bicep. With a hard, sharp movement, she jerked her arm from his grip and put up her hands in defense. It's not that easy, she said quietly. Move out of my way, please. Get out while you can. Kevo shook his head. Nope. Sorry, Harper. I can't let you leave. Harper's heart jumped into her throat and began pounding wildly. She had known. The empty gym had given it away, but she'd been too stupid to see it. A soft sound behind her made Harper whirl around. She gasped, but she wasn't really surprised. She had known this was coming. Mina, she breathed. The pale, graceful woman towered over Harper. Mina was true goddess material. You're surprised, Mina said in her low, gentle voice. Harper had been soothed by that voice so many times. She steeled her mind against it now. She could not allow herself to be swayed. Her decision was made. She spun around and pointed an accusing finger at Kevo. She got to you, Kevo? Really? He shrugged sheepishly and backed up a few steps. He stared at the floor, avoiding her eyes. Mina moved closer, and Harper spun around again and fell back a few steps. She held her hands spread out in front of her. Mina laughed, and her entire being shimmered. Harper's mouth fell open, and her hands dropped. Are you kidding me? Mina slowly shook her head, and it left a blurred trail as it moved. Maybe I kid a little, Mina grinned. Even the dark-hearted like to have some fun. You know that. Her bright blue eyes burned like flame and locked onto Harper's dark chocolate gaze. We've had fun, haven't we? My friend. Her words roiled inside Harper. 
Her skin tingled and she felt the writhing of hundreds of snakes under her skin. Her ex-friend laughed, shattered into a thousand points of golden light, and vanished. She reappeared in a puff of acrid, grayish smoke a moment later and laughed again. The sound had an edge to it, like old rusted metal being sharpened by steel. Okay, you got me, Mina said with forced mirth. I'm not really here. I'm an apparition. She reached out and swiped her arm through Harper. A dry cold chilled her where the arm had passed. Harper shivered and crossed her arms angrily across her chest. What do you want, Mina? Her ex-friend's apparition smiled. Her teeth looked sharp and somewhat inhuman. Her smile sent a chill rippling up Harper's spine. I want you to join me, Mina said. It's time, Harper. You've known this was coming. Why the warning? she asked. Why not take me by surprise and make things easier? You know I'm going to fight you. Mina laughed. I expect it. That's why I love you, my friend. And why you have to join me. Her smile faded, and a familiar, serious expression crossed her face. There are others, Harper. Ones I didn't tell you about. Harper felt fear stabbing at her insides, and she worried she might lose all control any moment now. They're coming, Harper. They want you, too. The end is inevitable, but who will you choose? Join me, my friend. Stay safe until I come for you. Stay alert. Be vigilant. And use your friend with the tattoos if you must. He could prove useful. Why should I join you? I know nothing about these others. Maybe they're a better choice. Mina's laugh burst out of her in a sudden, unexpected bark of mirth. I would not advise you to make that choice. It will not end well for you, but you'll see soon enough. Mina's form grew brighter until she became a blinding glare and exploded into another burst of stars. This time she did not return. And that's the end of chapter one, book lovers. Until next time, keep reading.